You're listening to the fourth season of the Prophetic Imagination Station, Frank Peretti's America. I'm D.L. Mayfield, a writer and neighbor. And I'm Crispin Mayfield, a therapist. Together, we like to overthink evangelical artifacts from the 80s and 90s. This season, we're doing a deep dive into Frank Peretti's best-selling novel, This Present Darkness. Thanks for listening. We are joining you uh, by not joining you by being in our house for is this day fifteen, Christmas. We never join them. That's true. Yes, but but it, it does, feels acute. It does, yeah. Not right. being near people mm-hmm. because yeah, it's day fifteen into our self isolation journey. Thanks yeah. to COVID nineteen, right. And perhaps you saw uh, where that has led us as a couple. Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, so basically this is a little bit of a special edition. We just wanted to check in. We wanted to say hi. We wanted to record a little podcast because what else are we doing with our time right now? Um, And yeah, so far we've been really enjoying all the feedback we've been getting about Frank Pretty's America. And yeah. The interviews we've done are amazing. We still have three more amazing interviews to come. And this is just going to be us goofing off a little bit. Not exactly talking about Frank Pretty, but we will be talking a bit more about you and I, our thoughts about demons and angels and spiritual warfare. Get a little bit more personal and be very silly because what we're going to frame this around is someone known as Carmen. Christmas, <laughs> do you want to uh, sum up who Carmen is for the, you know... Right. Uninformed. So Carmen is uh, someone in my childhood that was like indistinguishable from Mel Gibson. That's um, not helpful. <laughs> that, that's just the starting I'm point. I'm going to critique everything. <laughs> that's where you got to start. So he is an Italian American man that, um, yeah, like I, I, he weekly, each week on Saturday nights, he had his own show of just his own music videos. And Where? he did on TBN. Oh, on TBN. And, like, I think that's a good way to introduce him. He's this musician that does all these different music videos. He's, like, really into making, Is like... Is he a musician? <laughs> he's a musician, evangelist, uh, minister. I mean, he's all of the above. But he's definitely, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to, like, describe Carmen because he is... He is like everything about evangelicalism, but like times ten. Yeah, I would say he's a televangelist who used the medium of music videos, <laughs> right in the nineties. Yes. Eleven years ago, I got born again to the bone. That means everything changed, and I made a decision back then to serve the Lord with my talent. Now I was not no big secular star or anything like that. I was just singing in bars and clubs and honky-tonks and drinky-dings wherever I could get work. But when I found the pearl of great price, when I found Jesus, I wanted to find out what it was like to sell out to him. So I took what I had. I could barely strum the guitar at the time. I was not a songwriter. I just made a decision to serve the Lord. So I wanted to write songs that were different, you know, and I wanted to do something that not everybody else was necessarily doing. Yeah, and he was pretty popular. His concerts were very popular. Here's why I kind of think they were. I think it's because they were free. And Mm. then he would, like, do the whole televangelist, like, ask for money. But, Mm -hmm. like, for people with a bunch of kids, they're like, we can take him to this free concert, which was very theatrical. Carmen 
loves drama, y'all. That's that's yes. one way to put it. Right, yeah. I mean he's like a like a evangelistic theater geek. Yeah. Yeah. In an old man's body. He is two years older than my dad. He which is, is just exactly sort of, my dad's age. Right. I mean, think about that. Like I can't imagine either of our dads just, you know, doing this. Like thing. pretending to blow away demons. Right, yeah. As a cowboy for god Mm -hmm. yeah so carmen is this very unique evangelical subculture thing we've got to talk about him today Mm -hmm. crispin and i in the depths of our quarantine whatever we did a little lip sync to a song called satan bite the dust and the backstory is my first concert was a carmen concert in wyoming although i think we maybe yeah i was in casper wyoming we had to drive like three hours away from my home in cody to go see Carmen, and I cannot confirm this, but I distinctly remember being eight years old and seeing Carmen in concert, and he performed this song called Satan Bite the Dust, where he's like this cowboy. He, like, takes down all these demons, and then he ends up, you know, killing Satan. It's like mm-hmm. an old Western saloony thing. But the demons were little people wearing costumes, so they were, like, the demon of greed and the demon of, like, bad music or I, I don't even remember what they're like alcoholism or something you demon of alcoholism you'll be the first to go there's deliverance from you through jesus christ so hit the road he listed some of them in the yeah. song the demon of depression but i'm pretty sure they were little people uh-huh and he like killed them on stage mm-hmm. and like we all loved it i mean i was like horrified but everybody else was like really into it so that is my first concert think that really puts me in the evangelical elite right Crispin? yeah totally did you ever see carmen in concert no i was thinking about my first concert was for him which is another rabbit trail but oh, man, worth mentioning yeah okay so we were Crispin thinks we're going to talk about satan bite the dust because we did this whole <laughs> lip sync and everything and you That's guys what should you told me we i know well i'm about. changing it up okay so you guys, we will put that link in there. You should watch our lip sync. You should watch Carmen's original video if you have time, which some of us have time right now. Um, but Crispin, right now we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to force you to watch another Carmen music video called Revival in the Land, which is the titular song from his album called A Revival in the Land. I believe it was released 1992 or 1993. I'm going to make you watch it. I'm going to watch you watch it, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. So if you guys are at home, which you probably are, you can pause this podcast, click the link in the show notes, and you can watch Revival in the Land, and then come back and join us. All right. Wow. That. Yeah. I think you definitely (laughs) proved your point that he is not a musician, (laughs) and he is something else. Yeah, okay, so to sum up that video, right, it's basically like Carmen at a concert telling the story of a demon talking to Satan. With a disgusted annoyance, this general of evil agrees to confer with his chief demon lieutenant. This is the story of that encounter. And, you know, Satan's talking about all the ways that he is doing evil in the world. But the saints are on their knees praying for revival, and they're going to be defeated. Yeah. And Satan Satan. has a flat screen with which to view all the evil on. (laughs) (laughs) I like that little, like, it's like flames and, like, truly, like, ahistorical, except he has, like, a flat screen next to him with all those things. But, yeah, yeah, and it's, like, a list of 
Well, it's a list of, like, you know, all the, like, moral majority issues. Yeah, well, so what does Satan say are his, like, the ways he's winning in the world? Abortion, uh-huh. television violence, new age, zen, um, drunk driving. Teenage suicides. Teenage suicides. It really sounded at some point like they just launched into full, like, PSA mode. Oh, yeah. Right? When the, like, little demon's like, the drunk driving will claim more lives this year than the whole Vietnam War. I'm like, shoot! Right. That kind of is intense. And so then it just comes back to Carmen on a stage. Uh-huh. And then he starts sort of like, you know, chanting and hyping people up. Lift your hands in victory. This is our finest hour. For this sleeping giant called the church is rising up in power. Cry loud, spare not this lion's got a roar. We may have lost some battles, but we will win this war. Right, but then it like launches into a song, uh, sort of. Yeah. And I was like, what is this song? Like, this doesn't sound like his other music. like a traditional like black preacher oh okay yeah 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 right which is i think what carmen wanted wanted to do yeah so the thing about carmen is that he does again he doesn't do songs these are like eight minute long theatrical monologues right right Where carmen is usually the star and this one was kind of weird because he's the star because he's like bookends it uh-huh. as the revivalist but it's mostly satan and this demon talking you know right. um but yeah it's like six to eight minutes of like just monologuing mm-hmm. and we just watched this all the time and we just accepted it as he was a singer every saturday night carmen video gold live half an hour of just like video after video of carmen's video i feel like we just owned a few vhs tapes of mm-hmm. his and so i i like i didn't see this one my question is like who did he make this for well, that's the thing. I mean, all Christians have to, like, when they're giving their message, you either have to, like, have a message for Christians or you have to have a message for outsiders to become Christians. Uh-huh. I think this is obviously for Christians because they're supposed to feel amazing by their own efforts of just singing the word revival. Right. Uh, they're bringing Satan down. Well, I also thought it, like, felt like a National Day of Prayer promo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to I wanted to have you watch it because I think this is going to get into some of the themes we want to talk about in Frank Peretti's book that we've already mm-hmm. discussed with some mm-hmm. of our interviewees. This idea of what does it mean, I guess, to be a person of faith and to confront evil in the world, mm-hmm. right? The way Peretti – and here's the deal. Carmen is totally cribbing off of Peretti. Car- Carmen, all this stuff came, like, later. This is uh-huh. 1993. Right. And Frank Freddie was, you know, publishing this in, what, 85, 86. Mm-hmm. So, Carmen, I think he cribs a lot. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, that super simplistic idea that if Christians pray uh, on their knees, somehow all the works of Satan are gone like that. And then Satan's throne explodes, which happens at the end of the video. Oh, it's so dramatic. Right. Sorry. It's a spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so let's get into it, Chris. Man. What? Why does? Why does this simplistic view work? Like, why did it work on all of us? Well, it was really interesting to for me to think about the character of Satan and like this idea of having like this arch nemesis enemy 
that we are like plotting against, mm-hmm. which is like really interesting and also even interesting to think about in terms of like certain sorts of like prayer and like spiritual warfare. There's almost like more focus on Satan or demons than on Jesus, like like Brad or Zach mm-hmm, was talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, but yeah, it's just interesting to like have a whole video that's mostly just focused on Satan. Yeah, and I think who who were we talking about? Was it Brad Jerzak that was sort of talking about why horror genres are so popular? Is we get to fixate on an evil that we can control or defeat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And also, yeah, it harkens back to these like superhero narratives. If we have a supervillain right. that we know we can defeat, mm-hmm. I just I feel like that's an interview coming up. Oh. But anyway. Oops. <laughs> Maybe you did. Tidbit. Um, but yeah, like the psychology behind focusing so much on Satan. I heard a lot about Satan growing up. Mm-hmm. Did you? Uh quite a bit, yeah. Um, I'm trying to I don't know. I mean it was kinda like all over the place for sure. Yeah, Satan was definitely like responsible for evil. And I shared this in our patron only Facebook group, um, but like my mom one year gave us all these Jack Chick tracks about like Satanists and how on Halloween they would like put poison and razor blades and candy and like kill kids and then like sacrifice the kids' bodies. And so she didn't let us go trick or treating like ever. I don't remember doing it once as a child. Mm-hmm. And she had us read those and I was like, <gasps> you know, and so right. for me, there was really, and Carmen, you know, Carmen talks about. Witches. He has a whole video called A Witch's Invitation, which mm-hmm. y'all should read. I mean, not read. <laughs> y'all should watch it. It's quite a thing. Um, but this idea that, like, Satanists are real because Satan is real, and this is, like, one of the main ways Satan works in the world. I think what's fascinating in A Witch's Invitation, Carmen talks about, like, Satan – the witch is basically saying, I have healed all these people, and I have done all these miracles, and I can do all these things. And mm. And then in this video – you know, Satan's saying we've been so successful. We are getting all these people to turn to the, the occult. We are mm-hmm. getting all these people to have abortions and teens to commit suicide. And Right. There's yeah. only 50 million born again. Right. So, like, Christians are the minority. Right. But Carmen mm-hmm. is, like, the head of the moral minority. <laughs> <Yes>. Right? Right. <laughs> He always talks about himself being like this brand new breed of Christian and a saint. Uh-huh. And it's always about the saints, which, again, he, he's taking some language here that I think is interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. And it's interesting because, like, I actually, when it comes to, like, thinking about, like, the demonic, I actually really resonate with this sort of, like, systemic sort of, like, view. Like, you and I. Like, Trump was elected, and we started fasting and praying against white supremacy weekly. Weren't we doing that before? Uh, maybe. I don't know. But I feel like it, like... It really started then. Right, yeah. And I'm like, I, I kind of like the idea of thinking about, like, white supremacy as something demonic. But I don't know. Like, then I'm just applying my, you know, thing to my issue. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, it's really interesting, like... I don't know. Like, I I don't think that that narrative is bad in some ways. If there are things that are hurt, harmful and hurtful, that we have this idea that there are um, that there are powers at work. Yeah, I don't know. But it's really this whole series has really been making me think through that. Like, do I think people are responsible? Do I think demons are responsible? I think like systems are responsible, and systems have the potential to like harm people. 
I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's really nice to have the freedom to say I don't know. I think I go really really big picture sometimes and just recognizing that humans are really creative and really really weird and we can do really bad things to each other and then we can really be agents of God's kingdom on the earth to each other. So recognizing it's all a huge mess. Um I think before we can really start to even move forward in this, we really have to grapple with the narratives we were told growing up. So mm. I think that's what we're trying to do here to be like, you know, I don't actually believe it works like this. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we don't believe in it at all. And that's been a really cool theme mm-hmm. as we talk to these amazing people who have thought about this um, and thought about it biblically. But I really just bristle at this idea that if we pray a specific prayer, all evil is defeated. And that mm-hmm. is like a hallmark of Carmen's work. And it's a hallmark mm-hmm. of Peretti's work. And, you know, it's Christian paganism. It's, um, it really negates like the life and work of Jesus and, and the kingdom of God, you know, which is like this mm-hmm. huge deal to us. Right. And I feel, I definitely feel the supernatural in my life because I, I think I heard Nadia Boltzweber say one time, like, she doesn't really like pray a lot or like ask God for direction a lot because she just feels like God is always bugging her. Like God is always bugging her to forgive people. She doesn't want to forgive. And God is always bugging her to love people that she doesn't want to love. And she's just like kind of sick of it most times. And I really, really resonated with that. And to me, that's like my main way of, identifying with like the supernatural is like, there is something drawing me to want to follow Jesus, even though a lot of the time it sucks mm-hmm. to be So I don't always see like the peace and calm and love or whatever that Christians are supposed to have. Um, but I feel drawn to this life that is not about me and it's about something bigger. And, you know, I think we are also really starting to want to lean into a true faith in a God who loves. Mm -hmm. And if we believe that it will transform how we live our life. And um, of course we'll want to stand up against unjust systems. Mm -hmm. And for now, I don't know if it's like a weird little leathery demon, you know, or like a demon with a weird face mask, like in a karmic music music video. But I do know that there are people in power right now oppressing my neighbors Mm-hmm. And I can do something about that. So I'm not saying demons don't exist. I'm saying what we have is what's in front of us. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of systematic evil, right? Right, yeah. I mean, when I was a missionary kid, so I was a missionary kid in China during my teenage years. And that's the main way that I've been thinking through this because we did a lot of like praying against demons and praying against Satan towards the end of Jesus' name being proclaimed and the gospel being proclaimed. Um, in this like really quote unquote dark place. And I was thinking about that, that like, it goes back to that, like paganism of like the, the only goal is for people to have the right name of the right God. Um, and it really closes your eyes to be able to see the ways that like God is showing up, um, in society and like just totally not addressing, like praying for, um, and, and wanting to see uh, justice, wanting to see people be cared for. Yeah. Like, it really just gets so, like what you were saying with Carmen, it gets so narrowly focused on, like, people saying a prayer. 
um, that it doesn't allow you to see like God is at work in all these different ways um, and his kingdom is coming. And what does it mean to for God to be victorious? So again, this is a hallmark of Carmen, of mm-hmm. Frank Peretti, and it's just like so apparent for you and I to see how problematic that is. Right, But yeah. how come it didn't for like our parents? Well, I think that it really was like in a lot of ways – I think in the And I don't want to say like my parents like in particular. I'm just saying like right. a generation of people who would listen to a Carmen song and be like, "Yeah, Satan's throne is going to explode," you right. know. Well, it's interesting cuz like I think for our generation, like there is this like we want to leave behind this really insular faith and we want like to have a faith that impacts us and impacts like society and impacts our lives. And actually I think that's like what Carmen was also offering. And I think that's what evangelicalism was offering was like, we're not fundamentalists anymore. We're not just like cloistered. We're actually wanting to see things change in society. And there is something exciting about that, especially when you have this idea of like, yeah, we, we don't want drunk driving. We don't want teens yeah. killing themselves. Like, you know, I can see a lot of like positivity in that. Um, but if you don't have that, uh, where you're actually looking at yourself and your systems, uh, and you're just praying a prayer, I think it's not going to go very far. Yeah. Yeah. So I am less concerned with like, what do people believe about demons and angels? And I'm more concerned with what is, what is your idea of victory and what is your idea of what the role of prayer is, I guess. Right. Uh And so this has real consequences. I uh, are you ready to get into some Carmen trivia? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some of that. Do you? Ha- that was the name of his first album. <laughs> Wait, what was it again? Some of that. <laughs> I'm not here to. Some of that. At some dash o dash dat. And he had this whole thing for kids, right? Oh, yo kids. Yo kids. Yo kids. It's Carmen here. How you doing? Let me tell you about my friend Lawrence. Yeah, he's that cat on the cover. I call him L for short. First time we met downtown one night. What are some of his songs on Yo Kids? Do you know any of them? I don't know any of them. I just know like Riot because that was the only And what does Riot stand for? R-I-O-T. Righteous Invasion of Truth. Yeah. Right, another like... Another culture battle song. Whoa. Okay, so I have so much Carmen trivia swimming around in my brain. I have to carefully pick and choose what I'm going to reveal now. I do want to say that in 2013, I believe, Carmen, you know, sort of a little bit of a has-been, right? Mm -hmm. And he does these Facebook posts saying he has incurable cancer. And ask people for prayer. He does a Kickstarter. It's like pretty infamous, this Kickstarter, because it raised so much money. Like, I don't think he'd had albums out for quite a while. And so he raised like almost $300,000 like that. So then he went on a tour. And I don't know when exactly he was miraculously healed, but he was. And so then he was able to go on tour and raise even more money. But here's the part that gets me. He ended up like selling all this merchandise. And if anybody is like a computer genius whiz, you know, reach out to me because there's these Facebook posts where he mentions this GoFundMe that he was doing. This is after the Kickstarter. So after he's raised $300,000, uh-huh. after he's going on tour, all this stuff, he's making all this money. Um, he does a GoFundMe 
because he's doing this thing called like night of miracles. And so at his concerts, you know, he will pray for people who also have cancer to have healing. And he sells these teddy bears called somebody prayed for me that people can purchase. And like he would touch and then he would like give to somebody with cancer, um, you know, to heal them. The thing is I can't find any like prices for these things. And Uh you know, there's no verifiable evidence that these were really people with cancer or that they were healed. But like, how does that make you feel? Just this, this, yeah, what icky. he's doing. Right. Yeah. It feels very like, uh, you know, pre-Reformation Catholic church in a certain way, <laughs> but way worse. I it's don't know. It's just gross yeah. is what it is. Uh-huh. And it's like, and he kept saying, it's because you prayed for me because you supported me. So they gave mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. and they prayed for him. That's why he was healed. And you know, the first thought that comes to my mind when I read that is like, oh, yeah, how does that make people feel who prayed for someone who had cancer and they died? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. on them uh-huh. then, right? If yeah. your prayers heal Carmen mm-hmm. and your prayers didn't heal somebody else, right? you, don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to me, it's so obvious. It's also really problematic if God responds to healing famous people because more people, they can garner more people yeah, to pray for them. Yeah, it's a numbers thing. Yeah. I don't know, but it's like deeply upsetting. Um, so Carmen did not die of incurable cancer. He that... made a ton of money and survived. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he have cancer again? I don't know. I've heard a rumor of that. Yeah. But also he doesn't, he believes that he has victory over coronavirus. Yeah. Right. He also <laughs> posted something oh my gosh. like a week and a half ago oh about gosh. how they're meeting anyway. Oh, yeah, Carmen concerts are still going to go on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, Crispin. It's devastating because these kinds of approaches to prayer, like in Frank Pretty books, it really places, like, if bad things happen to you, then it's on you, mm-hmm. right? It's not God. So I was thinking about something, and I actually wrote this in um, The Myth of the American Dream. Uh, there's this essay I did sort of on what it means to be a Christian who's losing power. And uh, there's this podcast we really, really love called The Mid-Faith Crisis, and there's this English writer named Nick Page, and he really brought out this theme for me in the Bible that I never really thought about because, you know, we hear a lot about the Exodus, right? The Exodus is like a huge theme in the Old Testament, in Scripture, and he was talking about exile, why exile is such a huge theme in the Old Testament, and he's saying, like, what made the Jewish faith so different was that when they were taken into exile, they mm-hmm. didn't just assimilate into Babylonian culture and religion because mm-hmm. that's what you did back then, mm-hmm. right? If if you were conquered, that means that other person's God was better. And so then you just converted to their religion. Uh-huh. And he said, like, the Israelites were the first people to not do that. And even though they had been conquered and even though they had been defeated, they still held on to their God. And that became, that's why it's such an intense theme in scripture. It's like, even though we've been defeated, we still believe in God. And that was like so countercultural. And I wish we could get back to that. I just mm-hmm. don't see that in American evangelicalism mm-hmm. at all. Right. Right. Like yeah. we feel like if we're defeated, then it's on us. We did something bad. Um, mm-hmm. But really when we look at the Jewish scriptures and tradition, we can see people who are just wrestling with this tension of, we still think God's good. We still think God's with us and is present and loves us, but we've been defeated. 
Yeah. You know? Right. And that's more of what I'm interested in. Uh-huh. So that's a much more biblical approach. I think it gets a little more interesting with Jesus because, you know, Jesus has power over, I would say, death and all these systems um, that present as death to people. Right. And I think that's how demons really show up um, yeah. in the New Testament. But still, I, I don't want to dismiss this this idea of exile and mm-hmm. what that means. Right. And I was reading James Allison, his book on being liked. Um, and he talks about how Jesus really, one of his messages is that bad things don't happen because God is punishing you. Right. Bad things happen because there are these systems in the world that oppress people. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that is sort of like the, the Jewish response to being defeated is sort of like a pre, like it fits in that like tradition of like, it's really like we don't have a we have a god that is with us in our suffering right so the thing is that doesn't make for a good music video does right. it so i was thinking about that first of all so carmen uh in this video talks about like television violence being an issue which it is which it is. I'm a total prude, as but, you know. No, no. But what's funny about it is, like, think about how much violence is in Carmen's videos, including, well, I guess. Well, exactly. Right? Like, oh, my gosh. Right. You like, just owned Carmen Crispin. And it made me think about um, about this. It seems like in the 90s, maybe because, like, more, like, aggressive music was, like, coming around, right? Oh, like, and, like, what do you mean, Christian? Nirvana? <laughs> right. Reach, so, like, reach into your funny roots and come up with some answers right. here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of, like, you know, rap, metal, whatever, right? Okay. And so, like, thinking about this theme, um, and, like, I have thought a lot about T-Bone, who's this Christian rapper. Yeah, you have. That, who, like, basically took, like, gangster rap from, like, the 90s, 80s and 90s, and just made it all about demons. So it'll be, like, just a whole song about all the different ways that he, like, kills demons, right? Which is interesting. I mean, maybe gang violence is demonic, right? Right, yeah. As far as, like, it's oppressing groups of people Mm -hmm. to hurt other people who are made in the image of God. Right. So then he, like, straps them to the electric chair. Ah! (laughs) Yes. Oh, gosh. What's that one where that goes, like, hoo-ha, throw your hands in the air. What's that sound? It's the sound of the electric chair. Like, that's, like, the chorus. (laughs) Crispin. Also, you did not have rhythm when you did that. No. You're very white. Yes. (laughs) Which is why I failed as a rapper. (laughs) Sounds like I'm joking, but Danielle knows that I actually have... An album that is like in the sort of hip hop genre. It's more spoken word, right? And yeah, you're great. Yeah, and you're was, fabulous. Uh, but yeah, you know, T Bone, like insiders. It's like these themes of like violence. Like I'm going to overcome through violence. Mm-hmm. And Brad Jerzak talked about that on our last episode about how this is the approach we take. Um, and it really made me think about like that this violence and thinking about like. When it comes to to demons mm-hmm. and on a personal level, like Brad was talking about, like what if we these these whatever is going on? It was really fascinating to me to hear like when we treated demons like they were people, like they were demonized and needed demons cast out yeah. of them, they responded. Yeah. 
right? When they, uh, when we treated them like wounded people that needed healing, they yeah. responded in that way. And there's this type of therapy called internal family systems, which Inside Out, the movie Disney, Disney's Pixar movie Inside Out is based on. Oh. Um, and it's kind of this idea of like, we all have these like different parts of us. And when we have wounds, then we have these like symptoms or parts that come out. So like, if I was like really like abused as a kid, then I'm going to have a self-critical part of me that's always going to like, if I can criticize myself before I get criticized, then it does that. And it was like really interesting to think about this, like IFS therapy and just in general thinking about like the way that we approach ourselves um, really, like, if we can have self-compassion, that being a really healing thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means about, like, casting out demons, but that, like, really resonated with me and yeah. really, like, stands in such stark contrast to T-Bone talking about putting demons in the electric yeah. chair. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about my some of my experiences growing up as a kid with, like, my mom was really into talk about demons and stuff. My dad was not. But, like, the people she would talk about being demon-possessed usually had other things going on, like drug addiction or, you know same-sex attraction was seen as very demonic or, you know, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And so they had other stuff going on. I think that would cause them to be in a really unhealthy place. But I, I really resonate with what Brad Jerzek was saying, which is people just want to be well. And so they're gonna Mm -hmm. do what they can to be well and to um, do it instantaneously. Right. If they could. And I, you know, Yeah, I talked a little bit about Todd Bentley with with Brad Jerzak, but just thinking, like, people would go see these preachers and healers and charismatic leaders like Todd Bentley because they wanted an experience with God. Sometimes what would happen at these places is they would also, you know, have experiences with the demonic or whatever. Mm -hmm. Todd Bentley ended up becoming really famous for, like, kicking people in the face, to like cast demons out of them. And he, mm-hmm. I think they like videotaped him doing it to an old lady. And he wears like mm-hmm. these combat boots and all of a sudden he like kicks her in the face. <gasps> like when I saw him, I was in high school. Me and my mom drove to see him. Like he didn't do that. But we ended up leaving early because I was so uncomfortable. And I'm always that – I've always been the kind of person where I really, really, really want to be spiritually elite. Mm-hmm. So I've always been drawn to the charismatic because like if you fall down, if you have an experience, like that shows the Holy Spirit is on you. But I was always putting myself in these charismatic situations that would never happen to me. Mm-hmm. I'd always be like the one person left standing up. And that's a terrible feeling. But I was very stubborn and like <laughs> refused to like be influenced. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, if, the, if God's going to do it, he better like push me all the way down, uh-huh. you know. And so when I saw Todd Bentley, he was he was going to start preaching and I was very excited. And then he just started singing Who Let the Dogs Out, and then just starts barking. And then everybody starts barking. Wait, and then just say that one more time. He was going to start preaching. He opens the Bible. And he says, he I'm says... going to preach from the book of John. And then he says, oh, here we go. The spirit's moving. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 And then everybody starts barking. And I was like, Mom, I want to go. <laughs> She's like, okay. Um, so we left. Yeah. And... Yeah, so I feel like I've always just wanted to be in on this special world where God shows up in these ways. And I always felt so lonely because I felt nothing but like a little bit of fear and a little bit of like, I don't like this and I don't understand this. And I feel actually farther from God because there must be something wrong with me because Mm -hmm. there can't be something wrong with all everybody else. And I actually don't want to blame everybody in that room. And I think Brad Jerzak, you know, gives some great 
ways to just extend grace to people. Like just people want to be a part of something. They want to, they want to be in the place where they are delivered. And then I have a few other experiences. Like when I was in other countries with YMM and stuff, like watching people like legit get hit in the face with the Bible, Mm. you know, during a, an exorcism and, yeah, it's just not how it's not my experience of Jesus, how Jesus has worked in my life and how we see Jesus working in scriptures and, and how I feel the Holy Spirit calling me to model a, a Christ filled life now. Yeah, I remember my last charismatic experience. You dragged us to see this like healer. No. Yep. Would I uh-huh. do that? <laughs> I feel like we were like married or engaged at the gymnasium. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. It was like in a school gymnasium. Yeah. It was just this was like traveling school. like yeah. person that came right and like preached a little bit uh-huh. and and did like a good like yeah we're like it wasn't really hyped right right it was just like we're gonna like give this little message out of the Bible and then like say like we ask God to heal people and sometimes He heals people. But I, I do remember, like, multiple people in wheelchairs, like, dry. I'm going to, like, cry thinking about this because yeah. the picture I have is just people in wheelchairs, like, driving out of the, you know, gymnasium in their uh, chairs, like, back to their vans. Mm-hmm. And, like, everybody just kind of, like, walking out after getting, like, anointed, you know? It's a wild place. And, and there's a certain vulnerability, right, that people bring to these healing services or these charismatic spaces. So I would say like people who want to be delivered from demons are seeking a kind of healing, right? Like some kind of inner and emotional healing. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you would kind of agree with that. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And just as like somebody might want to be healed of a physical ailment instantaneously. So too do people who experience like inner emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to discredit people who seek that. I think miraculous stuff does happen. I'm not here to judge. You know, a few years ago, I actually had an experience with the Holy Spirit where I fell down. <laughs> it's really interesting. And I can, I don't really want to talk about that because I don't think, even think it's a part of the point. But I, what I remember from that experience is I just felt like God really loved me. And I have a really hard time feeling that. And so that to me is like a way bigger deal than, you know, some of the charismatic stuff. So maybe all of this sounds bizarre to people listening. Maybe you want to write off people. I saw a few like comments after Lisa Sharon Harper's interview just being like, what was all that stuff about roaring like a lion? And again, I just want to say, don't discredit like people's experiences and don't, don't pretend like they didn't happen or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I would say the vast majority of the world has, you know, has a more of a, they're more close to these experiences with Mm -hmm. stuff we don't understand. And so I feel like it's kind of annoying to just dismiss all of them. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, I think that we just like need to make room for all the different stories. Especially the ones. So like what happens at a healing service? Who gets to come on stage Mm -hmm. and tell their story? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The person healed. Right. The hundreds and hundreds who didn't get healed don't get to tell their story. And I think that's like a really good point. And Carmen's music videos don't make any room for them. Right. Right? Yeah. Does Frank mm-hmm. Peretti's book make room for people? No. Who are not victorious? No. Over Satan? No. Mm-mm. It does not. It does. It makes no room for exile. Right. Bring back exile, Crispin. Yeah. And it really, yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about that idea of, like, not being victorious over Satan. You know? 
That's a that's like a phrase that. Well, or just I would say death. Like we all have to die. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I think we need to change our understanding of what it means to be with God rather than being victorious over a supervillain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So if God isn't going to help us just win all the time, then what's the point? God's with us. God loves us. God made every single person in God's image. God created the earth. God give, gave us creativity. Mm-hmm. God um, like wants us to be actively a part of seeing the kingdom come. Mm-hmm. So God, God wants to partner with us mm-hmm. to love other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, right. And I think that there is a sense of like God is working for the good of all people. Right. And we're partnering with him in that. God desires that. Right. Definitely. But it's like obviously not a, it's not just wholly dependent on us like praying. Right. I think that one prayer. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what I think about prayer. I just, I just know that I need help. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a prayer. Uh huh. Yeah. (gasps) Right. Yeah. Not like I, I just think that there's so many different, uh, like, Ideas of like what prayer, like different, not different ideas of what prayer is, but different forms of prayer. Yeah. Right. And I think that's really important. Is that what Anne Lamont said? Help. Thanks. Wow. Uh-huh. I thought that was like silly title. The more I think about it, I was like, oh man, I think she's right. It's right. so annoying. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say if you look at the Psalms, they're probably like, help. Thanks. Wow. Kill my enemies. Uh-huh. Right. Right. So yeah. Anne Lamont didn't say that in her right. book title. <laughs> <laughs> If David had written that. Oh, Crispin. We have a few more weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, probably, of being at home. And this is one way we can kind of slow the spread of evil in the world. I know that sounds hokey, but that's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. There is some evil going on. There's suffering going on. Our prayers are with people. I'm sure people listening are in really tough spots financially, maybe physically. Um, Mm -hmm. We're here. And we're not good at praying, but... um, (laughs) we just made abundantly (laughs) clear. (laughs) But we can say, oh, thanks, wow. If you want to send us a prayer request, Mm -hmm. we will will take it seriously. Mm -hmm. um, And we will lift you up together. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this before, but a resource we use all the time is... um, Common common prayer prayer for for ordinary radicals. Oh, you say it. (laughs) Sorry. Say it again. Common prayer for ordinary radicals. And you can find it online. It's totally free. There's a free app. It's super helpful. We do it with a group of people every Tuesday night, and we're doing it over Zoom right now. It's mm-hmm. delightful and very awkward, and I can't wait till we can do it um, together. But that's just a cool way we can all join together in prayer. And it, I think it helps you leave some of – like if you grew up evangelical and you have like all this baggage about praying like perfect prayers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no, you just read this thing and everybody else is praying it, and it's really cool. Because yeah. we're partnering together with God. It's less about like one person saying the right thing. And it's, again, we are all together partnering. And I know so many faith traditions have done this. This is not how I was raised. Prayer right. was like, I need to do a really good job to get this done. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Do you remember like trying to exert energy in prayers? Oh, my gosh. It's like you a, threw prayer circles. Right. It's like Whoa. a body memory that oh, I, yeah. I don't even know how I would describe gotta, what that like, experience you gotta, like, is. You got to like pump yourself up internally. Right. God, I just want to thank you, God, for just how you worked, God, in our lives mm. today. And it's like we were trying so hard. Right, yeah. Um, But it's way better to do like communal prayer that we all just do it together 
yeah, the pressure's off. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. The only good prayers are honest prayers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I know. You're not as judgy as I am. Well, I'm like, there's another, like, if someone's doing dishonest prayers because they want good things to happen or because they want, you know. But the only way to be close to God is to be honest. It's not to be perfect, right? That's true, yeah. Because you can't be close to someone that you're lying to. Right, yeah. Okay, we have really (laughs) wandered all over the place. Uh, Do you want any more Carmen facts? Christman. Uh, do you have more? Well, I do, but like you have to narrow it down. <laughs> That's how many there are. Okay. So, do you uh, want to know, know his you, real name? Uh, I already know his real name, and people can Google that. Uh, it's Carmelo! <laughs> like, one of the best treats. I, I believe there's a chocolate called, called a Carmelo, right? Oh, uh-huh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. And I'm pretty sure I love it. Right. <laughs> Here's my question. What? How come there were uh, some uh, young 90s, very popular bands composed of three men Uh that uh, starred early on in Carmen's music videos? I'm thinking of DC Talk and Hanson. Okay, I love where you're going with this question. Uh, Dr. Victoria Farmer pointed out that only two members of Hanson appear in Karma's music video, Sling Bang Boom, which is about David. Don't watch it. It will get stuck in your head. The members of Hanson don't even sing because they actually can sing, I think. And Carmen cannot sing. And said, these young gentlemen with long flowing blonde hair, they lip sync to Carmen's weird talking. Uh-huh. Sling Bang Boom. You should look it up. Okay. Oh, this is probably the sin of gossip. But you can look it up on the interwebs. Okay. Carmen infamously has never been married, right? He got married in, like, 2017 when he was, like, 61. Okay. But he's been single, and that's a part of his appeal. Women love him. Women Mm -hmm. donate lots of money to him. He has a lot of benefactors, patronesses, whatever you want to call them. Well, according to, like, several sites, he had, like, a secret marriage because he didn't want his fans don't know oh my gosh. so he never appeared publicly with her but they i mean you, i guess they found like the records but he okay. divorced her um mm. eventually and then got he tried to seek an annulment which is really weird Ooh. um so kind of like he had a wife on the side yeah and then wait have... what does this have to do with dc talk nothing oh. that was just my karma fact oh. You, you really want to talk about DC Talk, so say what you want to say. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering like how they – I thought you were going to jump into the Addicted to Jesus No, you video. want to talk about that. So That's just say – just tell people really quick why it's your favorite Carmen music video. Uh, because their dancing is actually cool. DC Talk can sing? Mm-hmm. They can sing? Right, yeah. Addicted to Jesus, so it's A to J. Right. I mean it's solidly like early 90s, super cheesy in that way. But give me a J. J. You got your J. Give me an E. You got Give me an S. You Boys, what is this spell? What am I saying? It is like far and above away, you know, compared to like Sling Bang Boom or whatever weird like masked costume demon things, I think. Well, I've had Satan bite the dust like my head, so there's something catchy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I were going to rename, you know, Carmen, it wouldn't be addicted to Jesus. It would be addicted to drama because that's <laughs> what he seems 
to yes, me. Right. I was gonna say A two D, but I should not say that. <laughs> well, Crispin. I think that's about it. Recording during a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. We love you all. You can find us on the Twitters at Prophetic Imagine. You can email us at prophetic imagination station at gmail.com. You can tell us any weird demon stories you have. We might, mm-hmm. we maybe we'll share those in some upcoming interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at DL Mayfield on Twitter. I have a website. Yep. And K underscore underscore Mayfield is my Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. I'm also on Instagram now because my friends coerced me into it. And I now, don't know what the handle is, but I'm doing a little bit there. How many Crispins are there in the world? Crispins <laughs> right. with the K. I'm pretty sure it's just Crispin Mayfield. So okay, yeah. Your Instagram's a little boring. sparse. Yeah, uh, it's not boring. I wouldn't say boring. It's interesting. No, it's totally just like it's if you therapist really Crispin. yes therapist Instagram by the way, which yes. is a thing. That's what it is. It's a thing. Um, we hope you're taking care of yourself. We hope you um, watch some Carmen videos. And if yeah. you want to do a Carmen lip sync video and send it to us, we would not complain. Mm-hmm. We would not complain. You can get the kids involved. We'd spread it all over the internet. Yeah, we would. If you wanted. Yeah. Right. Right. Carmen, yeah. A2J. <laughs> How are we going to end this? Just like that. Uh, Danielle, I just am so grateful for all that you bring to this podcast and our relationship and probably right up there is your Carmen knowledge. <gasps> the hours that you have spent. Oh, like there's literally some, there's, hours. You guys, there are some blog spots. If you email us, I will send you some links. It's important to know that this isn't Danielle just like reading up before we do the no. podcast. This is like years. years, years, years. And there's some things I can't even talk about. There's so much speculation hearsay, but whoa. Right. Benny Hinn. No, don't. Don't say it. All right. We don't want Carmen. We're going to end we there. We don't want Carmen on our trail. <laughs> We're going to end there before we <laughs> say something we regret. Yeah. <gasps>